My name is Jordan Lazev, and you're listening to episode 133 of the Who's On Top podcast. And welcome back to episode 133 of the Who's On Top podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Fox. We have a partial room of kings in the building tonight because Jeremy is out clubbing in Ecuador or doing something weird, probably graffitiing a statue of some iguanas or something. I don't know. But let's focus on who we do have. And taking a break from playing the MLB The Show demo a month early and beating up on some eight-year-olds, BDK, Jacob Kasdan. Ah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm beating up on eight-year-olds, but I'm playing the show a little bit. Tech test is fun so far. A little laggy, but we'll, 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 we'll deal with it. We'll figure it out. But uh, as always, should be a great episode. And uh, excited to talk some sports. Yes, indeed. Finally, we have the new head sports editor of the Daily Targum, right? It's a Hebrew word. You got it right. All right. There he is, Ellis Gordon, taking a picture of the Zoom. Yep. Check who's on top Twitter, what that podcast. But yeah, I'm, that, that is me, and I'm excited to talk some sports well, as well, Jacob. Do that. All right. That is all we have for the case. And I'm your host, Daniel Fox. Let's get into the tip-off. Do-do. MLB Roundup. Jacob, you hear that? You hear that? It's the pop of the mitts, the crack of the bat. Baseball season is coming. Back, whether, baby. It's coming. Whether, whether we're ready for it or not. And I would say we're pretty ready. We're ready. We've been waiting months for this, especially Ellis as a Blue Jays fan when they got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Some news and notes. Just clean some stuff up. Alex Reyes went to the Dodgers. So did Dan, uh, David Peralta. Andrew Chafin went to the Diamondbacks. Michael Walker went to the Padres. Uh, the A's and Marlins traded A.J. Puck for J.J. Bleday. but pre- And the Red Sox obviously re-signed Yu Chang, which is the biggest news uh, we have right now. All the free agents are signed. We're ready for baseball. Masataka Yoshida is already hitting bombs the other way in, ba- in batting practice down in Fenway South. Uh, the World Baseball Classic rosters as well. They have been finalized. Team Republica Dominicana is looking stacked. They got Rafi Devers. Julio Rodriguez, Jose Ramirez, I believe. Soto. Um, Juan Soto, yeah. They're just looking, uh, Gary Sanchez. They're just looking stacked. So is Team USA with Mike Trout. I don't know if you've heard of him. Some other good teams. Japan, Yoshida, Seiya Suzuki, and of course, Shoei Otani. Venezuela, always got to watch out for them. Cuba, you got to watch out for them as well. It's going to be fun. It starts March 6th. Cannot wait. That's it for baseball. What does BDK have for us in the world of basketball? Yeah, so we're officially after tonight. Uh, as of Thursday night, there's a couple games tonight. And then we're headed to the All-Star break. Going into the break in the Eastern Conference. Boston Celtics with the number one seed. One game up on the Bucks, And uh, Sixers, Cavs, Nets round the top five. And choo-choo, here come the Knicks. Three-game winning streak going into the All-Star break with the sixth seed in the East. Very impressive. Heat and Hawks round out the top eight. Raptors and Wizards in the play-in. In the West. Can't wait Nuggets. to watch that. Raptors, Wizards, 30% Bradley Beal versus Pascal Siakam. Give it to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, For the be, right to lose to the Celtics. <laughs> uh, in the Western Conference, the Nuggets continue to 
enlarge their uh, their gap on the, on the rest of the conference. They're up five games going into the break. On the Grizzlies, who are the two seeds? Surprisingly, the Kings, number three. The, the Durantless Suns are the four seed. Durant should be back, not right after the All-Star break, but quite quite shortly after. Clippers, Timberwolves, Mavericks, Pelicans round out this top eight. Warriors, Thunder, Jazz, Trailblazers, and the Lakers all the way at 13. But the thing about the Western Conference, the Western Conference is so close. Between the three seed and the 13 seed is a six-game difference, which is just incredible. There are six teams within two games of each other. So going to be an electric, electric post-All-Star break. And some quick player stats before the All-Star break. Um, Luka continues his MVP caliber season, 33-8-8. The only player to do so since MJ. Embiid, 33-11. Giannis having an insane season. Uh, Jokic continues his triple-double routes. Tatum still averaging above 30, same with SGA, and Dame has been hot lately. Uh, I guess we haven't had, a, had an episode since then, but congratulations to LeGoat James on becoming the all-time scoring leader. So that's some more basketball news. But uh, should be a great all-star break. Julius Randle's in the three-point contest, which is kind of funny. And uh, Jalen Brunson got snubbed. But uh, that's really it for the NBA Roundup. Uh, let's head over to Ellis for some stupid shit. Well, I have a question first before we get to NBA Roundup. What do we think of the skills competitions that they keep throwing the Ante They're the so stupid. They keep throwing the Ante the Kupo brothers out there. Some rookie stars nobody's heard of. And uh Thunder. Who's right? the, the, the skills competition? Yeah. It's the Ante the Kupo brothers, three rookies. It's Ivy, someone else and, and someone else and then it's the, Are they uh, actually like random rookies or like at rookies? No, 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 no. They're, they're, they're good rookies. The Ante Kupo brothers, the Jazz. I don't and know, it's kind of interesting. Know. It's they're much, not it's random rookies. Year, those are the top draft. three picks of the draft, Fox. Yeah, they're not random rookies, Fox. Oh, or top I, three I, out of four. I didn't look that um, at it. It's a fun thing to passively watch, but yeah, it's nothing that interesting. Yeah, stupid shit. My mind was all scattered there. Um, Let's start off with dealer's choice. I'm going to start off with college. Basketball is my favorite sport, after all. Just an hour ago, Maryland upsets Purdue. Another court storming. Crazy in College Park, if you haven't seen the court storming pictures, it's probably one of the wet, most well-executed court stormings of the year. Props to Maryland on that. You know, I always make fun of Maryland for not having, for being fair-weather fans, which they are still. But, um, but good court storming. Virginia barely survives the horrible Louisville program. That was embarrassing for them. They didn't win by three. And Northwestern, up 21 by Indiana. Indiana storms the way back, all the way back. In the last second, Boo Booey hits a clutch jump hook to win them the game. It was a push-off, but it was not called. Northwestern all of a sudden find themselves second in the Big Ten and one game out of Purdue. And I do have to clown myself because in my preseason rankings, I had them as last in the Big Ten, and now they're one game outside of first. I honestly do not know how they're this good, but they are. Marquette just outlasts Xavier for first place in the Big East, right? So Marquette will hold first place in the Big East. They won by one point on a semi-last-second layup. And Tennessee, number 10 team, they're no schlubs, who were coming off of two straight buzzer-beater losses to underwhelming teams. They were ranked all the way back to 10. Shocks number one Alabama, handling them by 11. Other big games this week, Syracuse got a shout-out. Jacobs crew upsets NC State by three. Oh, yeah, I got to talk about my school, Rutgers, 0-3 since the loss of MAG. Look really bad, can't even lie. Providence beats Creighton by a high-scoring game, 94-86. Kind of surprising, by 8. So they keep their Big East title hopes just alive. Miami beats UNC by 8 as well. UNC is on the bubble. They might not make March Madness. They really might not make March Madness. 
Texas Tech upsets a lot of upsets this week. Texas by seven. Uh, Northwestern, as I already said, upset Purdue. So back-to-back upsets for Northwestern. They also stormed the court. A good court storming, not as good as Maryland's, in my humble opinion. Other games since we last talked. Indiana barely survives Michigan by one point. Virginia handles Duke relatively easily. And Alabama in the rivalry versus Auburn beats them by eight. Uh, Creighton handles Connecticut by three, but it was a little, it was a late comeback by Connecticut that fell short. But overall, good Creighton win. And they've looked hot. You know, they struggled early in the season, really struggled. They were predicted to be a top five team in college basketball or top 10. And they've won a lot. They're, they're back into the Big East title contention. Yeah, so good on them. And then I believe those were all the massive games. Yeah, that is all the massive games for on, Ellis. I just want to say one thing, one thing about college basketball this year that's been that's unlike awesome. no no other year. The number one seed has lost eight times this year. Yeah, it's a lot of courts. It's just incredible. It's ridiculous. There's no clear there's, number there's one. Really, like, there's really no exactly. There's really no power team this year, like there has been recently. Yeah. Um, all right. Some soccer to get through. Man City. This has become primarily just became a race. Because Man City beat Arsenal pretty, I mean, it was 3-1, to one, but they pretty much controlled the game. And they now take, I mean, they're tied with Arsenal, but they have tiebreak. Um, they will have tiebreak pretty much for the rest of the season, most likely. But Arsenal does have a game on hand. So that is, Arsenal slipped up. They've only won three of their, only won two of the last five, and now they're in trouble. Man United are behind both of them by a game and a half. Um, they also have, Arsenal also has a game on half, a game on hand. Uh, we almost got Champions League. Round of 16, it has started up again in Europa League. Europa League, uh, Man United Barcelona tied today 2-2. Champions League, Bayern beats PSG 1-0 in the first leg. Dortmund beats Chelsea 1-0 in the first leg. Milan beats Tottenham 1-0 in the first leg. And Benfica beats Club Bruges in kind of a underdog matchup. 2-0 in the first leg. Obviously, got two legs of the round of 16 matchups to go. Let's go through some standings. We already went through Champions League and Premier League. Let's go to La Liga. Barcelona, eight points ahead of Real Madrid. Still playing time for Real Madrid to catch up, but they're just, it doesn't look like they will. Put it that way. But plenty of time. Syria are standings. Right now, it is kind of, Napoli is kind of running away with it, to be straight up with you guys. Six straight wins on the bounce. They are going to have tiebreak for the rest of the season. They are right now in first by 15 points. So for those that don't know, pretty much equivalent of five games with, you know, there's there's enough games left. There's um about like 16 games left, but they're five games ahead. Inter is in second with 44 points. So that's looking like the most uncompetitive league in terms of the top places. The penalty on Juventus is still being wait to fully develop. They might be relegated, but we'll see. Um, That'd be crazy. Bundesliga, it's been closer than most years. It really has. Uh, Bayern, still in first place. They have won, I believe, nine straight titles, ten straight titles. I think nine. But Union Berlin is only a game back of them. The real, I guess, Leicester City FC underdog story of the season. Only half a game back, one point back. And Dortmund have won the last seven games. And all of a sudden, they're only a game back, three points back of Bayern. And Bayern have tied the last three straight games. So Bayern slipping up a little bit. Is their nine-year title run in jeopardy? Plenty of season left, so we shall see. I guess in this league there is 14 games left, so plenty of season left. F1's about to start. I'm not going to talk about that. That is stupid with me. All right, let's talk about Super Bowl 57, and it was a good one. We'll discuss just how good in a little bit, but let's tell you what happened. We're not going to go into everything because I'm sure you all were watching it unless you're living under a rock. 
But the Chiefs pulled off a 10-point comeback in the second half to win 38-35. to Our last second field goal by Harrison Bucker gave him a 38-35 uh, to win. Uh, Patrick Mahomes wasn't asked to do a whole lot. He went 21 for 27 for 182. Three touchdowns, no picks. Isaiah Pacheco, Ellis's boy, carried the ball 15 times for 76 yards and a touchdown. And at Super Bowl Parade, and at the Super Bowl Parade, he was great. And Super Parade, rocking that Rockers are dancing Jersey Club. Jersey represent. Nice. And Mahomes carried the ball six times for 44 yards, including a big scramble on the last drive. Kelsey, of course, did not set a Super Bowl record for receptions, but he did have six for 81. On the Eagles side, Jalen Hurts was fantastic. Probably the best player on the field that day. 27 for 38, 304 touchdown. He also ran 15 times for 70 yards for three touchdowns. Obviously the first player. I think he was the first player ever to rush, ever quarterback to rush for two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Definitely the first ever rush for three. And as far as Jeremy's take, that the Eagles are going to run the ball because Jalen Hurts is hurt. The rest of the running backs, let's do some quick math, 17 carries for 45 yards. Good in job. fairness to Jeremy, he was no, the only that one was that picked. No, I that was. Him. But in fairness, he was the only one that picked the game actually right. So you got to well, get to it in that sense. Okay, but it's like, you ever read sideways stories of West Side School? No. I don't know your oh. reference. Well, just because you get the right result doesn't mean you have the right process. Anyway. Also, my, my hot take was right, that Jalen Hurts would break the rushing record for a quarterback. Yeah, good job. And I was 29 yards off my hot take. A.J. Brown had a great game at only 96 yards. Good job, Jacob. Actually, the big three that we were all talking about, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, and Dallas Goddard, all hit their overs on receiving. Devontae Smith actually led the team uh, with 100, re- 100 receiving yards, seven receptions. Nobody else. We said, how are they going to feed all these uh, – how are they going to feed all these players? Well, by not feeding anybody else. Nobody else had over 20 receiving yards in the game. Fox, while we're, while, we're talking, while we're talking about it, can we look at how my betting corner did based off of the bets? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So, Kelsey, he scored a touchdown. He did. Right? Hurst had a rushing touchdown. Yep. Sanders didn't, right? He did not. No. Sanders over under rush yards did not hit. Pacheco's hit. Did Goddard hit? 48 and a half. Goddard hit. He got 60. Devonta Smith hit. Yep. Tom Brady mentioned over one and a half times. I don't know. I didn't listen to that. I, I didn't hear him once. And the national anthem over under was, it was under by like two seconds. And then the game over under 51, which was over. So. Yeah, I was totally wrong about that. Pretty, um, pretty decent results. Yeah, well, I mean, what was the point of that to have everything hit the over? I mean. I, no, I mean, no, no, no. I, I said the over for some of them and the under for some of the others. Oh, okay. Well, good job by us. with pat ourselves on the back. We know we love doing it. Um, anything surprised you in this game, fellas? How high scoring it was. Oh, the field was horrible. That surprised me. But, One thing um, that really surprised me was just like how like the whole year the Eagles just their whole foundation was just running the ball. Sanders and he just did not. He didn't look good. He didn't get a lot of carries. He didn't produce on the carries he did have. So that was really that that was surprising to me. I wasn't really surprised about that because I thought they were going to put the ball in Jalen Hurts's hands, and they obviously did. Um, what surprised me was. Uh, the lack of the Eagles' pass rush. Did someone say Hassan Reddick was going to be their X factor? Yeah, and he wasn't. He wasn't there. They, the Chiefs they, they off, the, did not. No sacks. Yeah, the Chiefs' offensive line was spectacular all game. They really, they really won them that Super Bowl. That was Mahomes had very few little pressure, and this Eagles team, you know, listen, I don't think Jonathan Gannon's a perfect quarterback, a uh, defensive coordinator, but he knows how to get pressure on. And Eagles were four sacks away. 
from breaking the all-time re- record in a season for sacks in a year, and they didn't get any. So all-time performance by those Chiefs offensive linemen there. I think there's a couple things that led to that. Um, I think Mahomes is getting the ball out incredibly fast. Uh, this offensive line is good. They're good. Creed Humphrey and um, Joe Tooney especially are very good. Um, but also the surfaces. It was hard. Everyone was slipping out there. It was hard to For really sure. get a consistent pass rush. I will say, um, not, that, right, not that this surprised me, um, but I do want to shout out. Oh, you already had this in the – I didn't see the script exactly, but Andy Reid, second half master class. Like, master class. That is a perfect segue because that's exactly what I was going to go into. I want to talk about legacies, and I think the person to legacy changed the most in this game is Andy Reid. I now consider him – he was already the second-best head coach this century. I think he's the second-best head coach of the last 30 years. He now has three Super Bowl appearances – Eight conference championships. Four Super Bowl appearances. Two, four appearances. Two championships. Countless. He pretty much makes the playoff every year. Different quarterbacks. He's won with Alex Smith. He's won with McNabb. He's won with Mahomes, obviously. I don't think he gets enough credit for, like, resurrecting the Chiefs franchise. Because when he went there, they were 2-14. and 14. Obviously, they traded for Alex Smith and some other stuff. Um, but I think Andy Reid is now in that upper... No, I think he's like tier two coaches. If Belichick, Don Shula, and Chuck Parcells, Noll are one. When you say Parcells is tier one, I Parce- feel like. Andy Reid, to me, is right there with Parcells and uh, I don't even know. I think he's past Jimmy Johnson because Jimmy Johnson I agree. didn't coach that long. He's past Bill Cowher with the Steelers. We can make Mike an episode Conlin, of this. Obviously, he's past. We can make an episode. Of this. I, I, we can make an episode of ranking all-time coaches. I will say something that Andy Reid was known for that I think he just completely dispelled in terms of legacy: choking in the playoffs. He's always been attacked for his clock management in the playoffs. Choking. He has two rings now. Choking is done. You can't say it. Well, I don't know how fair that was. Because... It was a, in his Eagles day. It was definitely a little fair. You should hear my how my dad talks about him. He loves Andy Reid, but you know. Yeah, I'd love to hear Stephen talk about this. But Donovan McNabb was just. It's it's a, a lot of it is the quarterback in the late game situation. So I don't think Donovan McNabb was the right. He made a lot of mistakes. He was it, he wasn't a two minute drill kind of guy. He was a running around gunslinger kind of. And a lot of that comes back to that Eagles Patriots Super Bowl where M- McNabb may or may not be throwing up. And Alex Smith certainly wasn't that guy. And he didn't, he didn't use his timeouts in the Super Bowl too. I don't feel like picking out of Andy Reid, but you know. No. Which Super Bowl? The Patriots? Okay, it's the Patriots. Yeah, at the end of the game, he could have no, used timeouts. No, he used his timeouts correct. No, it was one. a big – look, no, he definitely did not. I mean, I don't think they would have won anyway. But... He did. He, he used all – they just weren't going no huddle. That's the problem. Anyway, uh, and Alex Smith certainly wasn't that guy. I mean, when you have Andy Reid, in the Alex Smith years, he lost to Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and who did they lose to in 17? Oh, Mariota, but that was a weird one. But Alex, he just didn't have the quarterback. Now he's the quarterback. And you give an all-time coach, an all-time quarterback, this is what happens. Do, you, do we consider the Chiefs a dynasty? Probably. Three Super Bowls. So. Probably. There really would be a dynasty if they make a Super Bowl next year. But they're definitely on the precipice of a dynasty, if not a dynasty. If you if you win two, that's a dynasty? It's not just win two. That's why I said precipice, because though they've only they've only won two, which is not a dynasty, but they've also been there three times, been to an AFC championship game pretty much in the last five years, right? So if they're not a dynasty now, I, which I think is a fair argument to make, they're definitely right on the precipice of it. 
They are the only team to host five straight AFC Championship games. Even the Patriots didn't do that. Patrick Mahomes' legacy. I see idiots like Nick Wright already crowning him the GOAT. Uh, I'm not going to go that far. We were talking about this in the chat, and I believe that Patrick Mahomes is the fifth best quarterback. I think this run is probably the second best all-time five-year run in NFL history besides you could pick a couple Tom Brady runs out there. But um, anyway, that's not the point. The point is Mahomes is doing – at his age is unprecedented. But I think to truly be one of the GOATs, you need to do it for a extended period of time. It can't just be five years. Talk to me when he's 33 because he has had some injuries. He plays through a lot of them. But it, it's one thing doing it at 25. Let's see what he does at 35. That's what the greats do. Agreed. I You're dead on. I think he needs four to even be start talking about in the same vicinity as Brady. So he needs two more. Let's talk about what went wrong for the Eagles. It's, it's really not what went wrong. I mean, they made a couple of critical errors that we didn't really talk about. Uh, Hertz's fumble return for a touchdown, the near kick return touchdown. And they also were just disastrous defensively. Plenty of coverage breakdowns. They were kind of getting, not kind of, they were getting cooked schematically. Yes, and of course, Jonathan Gannon the- got cooked schematically. Uh, the hold at the end, which was a hold, but, you know. I what do you think like- about that call? What do you get to think about that call? I thought I mean, it's a hold. It's a hold at the top of the route. That's what it's it is. It's a hold. It was. I watched the NFL films thing on YouTube today. They like really zoomed in on it. He like he fully had his jersey. It was the right. No, hundred percent. Here's yeah. here's my issue, and I'm not arguing it's not a hold because it is a hold. There's no doubt. But if you were to call that type of hold, you'd have a holding every five plays. And the thing no, is, I don't think you would. Every yes, every every at least eight plays. Look, watch. watch. I mean, he got cooked and- on the route. He and, held. He admitted he held. Wait, then he second. held and tried to get away with it. And it's, get away with it's it. a foul. It's such a soft foul, though, to, to call the end of the game. I just thought it ended to a very climactic. It, it doesn't really climactic matter where moment. it is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where it is in the game. But in reality, it does because, again, this was a great point someone made today, where it's like, you know, you saw you saw Juju, you know, receiver Juju react when they get held. You saw Juju in the first, in the second quarter get go crazy when he got obviously held by the Eagles. I'm not saying this, by the way, this is not why the Eagles lost. I'm not advocating for that. But Juju went crazy when he got held in the second quarter on that third down, and he went crazy. He didn't even think it was a hold. He starts walking back to the side. He starts walking back to the line of scrimmage. He That's how weak it was. So my point is, is if you watch an NFL game, I think every one of every plate plays, you can get a, a similar hold to that, and and it never gets called. So to call at that stage at that moment, I just thought it ruined a very climactic moment. It, it ended the game. It, it ended the game. So I just Here's thought it I ruined the climactic moment. But it was the right call. It was a hold. I just think if you're going to call that, the game is going to take forever. There's too many holds in the NFL. If it was like bang, bang, hand fighting, you know, both sides are making contact, then I agree you let them play. This isn't a let them play situation. Who's the receiver? Was it Juju? Yeah, it's Juju. Oh, well, that makes more sense why I tweeted that. Juju didn't even think it was a hold. Juju didn't even think it was a hold. Juju cooked him on the route, was going to be open, and he wouldn't. I don't get what fans want because when the hold wasn't called in the AFC Championship game, people were complaining. When it was called, people are complaining still. I don't get people – people are going to always complain about the ref. If they make the call, if they don't – it was such an obvious hold. It wasn't like – it wasn't like Saints-Rams where they blew the call. No, they got the call right. 
That was no, the they right got the call. call right. But I think people want. I think people are unfair, but I think there is an actual issue in the NFL with consistency in refing because there truly is no consistency. I think that's the biggest issue. There is no consistency, and it's. I, I get yeah. if you're a fan, it's frustrating because again, you have to call a lot of hold if that's a hold in the game, and you can't just pick and choose. When to call a hold? I'm not again. It's a hold. It was a hold, but I, that, that's my take on it, at least. I think you you have all these different ref teams. A lot of them mixing and matching, and you know, guys coming in, and everyone has their own ideas. It's like baseball. You know, all these umpires have different strike zones, and I think we don't give credit enough for how hard an NFL job referee job is. It's extremely hard. You're it's bang bang. You got hundred thousand. 80,000 people watching in the stadium. You got millions more watching at home. You got these instances where it might just be a split second where you hold him and you got to make a bang, bang call. And if you get it wrong, everyone's going to criticize you. I don't think anyone, most of the time they get the call right. Most of the time. I, I agree. Think, I agree with that. I think team. complaining about refs, I think it's just a lot of the talking points are really unfair because especially, and I think this postseason really showed that because when they don't make the call, they people complain, and when they make the call, people complain, even if the call was right. I don't, you know, I don't get what people I agree. Want. I agree with that take. That I agree with. To use your point, if if you're gonna say, oh, they could have called it, if they call that, there's gonna be a call every play. Can't you say the same thing about the hold in the Chiefs Bengals game, right? Yeah. No, I'm not. You know. Yeah. It's not perfect. I do think problem. I agree with you. Refs are overly criticized. They're overhated. At the same time, I do think there needs to be some developed consistency. But I, I agree with you that it's used as a scapegoat when it's just not. It shouldn't be. All right, we and got it didn't, four and more it didn't determine the game. Jonathan Gannon getting cooked determined the game. In the last four minutes, do you want to talk? The Chiefs, last point, the Chiefs outplayed the Eagles in that game, especially in the second half. They couldn't stop them. That's what it came down to. You can't yes, stop agreed. the other team score every time you get the ball. Although I get where Eagles fans think that – I mean, Jalen Hurts gets a second chance. I think he goes down the field and at least gets a field goal. Maybe right? I right if they get if that's an incomplete pass, which it probably wouldn't. It probably would have been a touchdown. Honestly, no. I, the way um, really, oh, I thought that would have been incomplete easily. No, because no, that would have been that would have been a touchdown. I think so too. I think it was even a bit Juju far. Juju was headed for the corner. I think it would have been a touchdown. Yeah, he would have been wide so. open too. Whatever, just it's like stupid. every Patrick Mahomes touchdown would have been wide. Anyway, not the point. That's enough for the Super Bowl. Uh, Rihanna Masterclass. You know, I've for watched sure. it a couple times. I thought she could – you know, the choreography – She could have done better. She really could have done better. I disagree. I. What do you want from her? You want her to – she's pregnant. You want her to, like, run around? Some, outfit, was, cha- some outfit changes or no, something. No, that outfit Or have, like, another guest with her. Like, she the outfit was guest. powerful. She yeah, I think she should have brought ASAP Rocky. should have performed Jay-Z LSP. was right. There. She does. She brought. She brought ASAP. Should have brought Drake, bro. Um, you say run this town with Jay Z in the building. No, I don't. What's your beef with the outfit? Was, he was right there. But he also here's the thing with Rihanna. Here's the thing with Rihanna. She doesn't have to dance because she has such a crazy stage presence. She could just stand there looking fierce, and you're like, damn, she's like bad as. Fuck. Like she'll no, kill I, thought, I thought the choreography was really good. Was much better on the rewatch. Um, the co- the outfits were pretty terrible, and I actually thought- I like the. Oh, I agree with you on the other outfits, but I like Rihanna's outfit. No, Rihanna's I, I was cool. the backup the dance ones. was. All right, the backup. I thought weird. the backup dancing choreography was kind of weird. There was one of them was doing like a TikTok dance. 
It was a little weird, for sure. Yeah, when the visuals, when she played Diamonds, how lucky are we, though? We've had four relatively great Super Bowl performances, halftime performances, back-to-back-to-back. We really got They're all going to be good. That's why the Adam Levine one stands out so much. It It wasn't even that bad. It was just terrible by Super Bowl. Eh, It was pretty bad. Hey, listen to me. This is a take I 100% stand by. If Adam Levine's Super Bowl performance was in 2005, it would be considered one of the best of the decade. No, I don't agree with that. They were literally throwing like the Rolling Stones out there doing boring ass uh, Super Bowls. Oh, uh, and... do not, don't criticize the Stones, dude. Don't do that. Okay. Don't no, compare but, Adam Levine I mean, to the Stones. They're not for the Super Bowl. They're not for the Super Bowl. No, they're not for this time for the Super Bowl, but 2005. Every Super Bowl, every Super Bowl performance from now on is going to be great just with the technology. Yeah, I, that they're I picking good artists. You yeah, know. Shakira, J Lo, hit. Weekend, hit. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. Hit. I've been watching all of them recently. They've gotten on a weird. Oh, kick. I, I watched them kick. all the time. Justin Timberlake was ass. His second time was ass. No, I think he was yes, ass. Really, Stop the that. only he bad was, one. He was Honestly, Coldplay was a hit. Lady Gaga hit. Really bad. Yeah. I think back in it. The only bad one since I've been watching football was Adam Levine. That's no, Black Eyed Peas were bad. Black Eyed Peas were bad. No, that's what I'm saying. But I, I didn't. Oh, I didn't watch. yeah. I, I remember the Black Eyed Peas a little bit. Even Justin Timberlake Eyed... two was bad. Justin Timberlake two was bad. It was bad. I, I disagree. We can disagree on that. But Adam Levine, this actually could be an offseason like we do our rank. Anyway, not the point. Black Eyed Peas, even though they're bad, they revolutionized the halftime show because they created like the techno artsy, like making it performance rather than just yes. a concert. Yes, I agree. All right, good. We agree on that. All right, enough Super Bowl, enough football. Let's talk about the NBA trade deadline. Last episode, we were talking about Kyrie. And I said, hey, let's not talk about it just yet because the puzzle might not be complete. And guess who was right? Me. Because Kevin Durant, in one of the biggest trades in NBA trade deadline history, is going to the Phoenix Suns for a package. He went with TJ Warren. A package that included McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson, Celtics legend Jay Crowder and four first round picks and yeah, a 2028 pick swap. All right, let's start by talking about the Suns. And I guess the only thing to ask is you got Katie, you got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, DJ Warren. Is this team the favorite in the West now? Yes. 100%. You have CLHL. You have CLHL. But I really do think probably, yeah. Durant has to stay healthy. This team is like if Booker and Durant can figure out who scores, who doesn't, when, when, like when, we'll where, we'll be fine together. Like that, that, like how, who's stopping that team? Who's stopping that team? No one. Well, they have, they have two of the top five pure scores. Teams with well, health is a big issue. Well, yeah, right. Katie Booker, Chris Paul is thirty-seven or whatever. Yeah, Aiden's yeah, yeah. Aiden's hit or miss. Teams that have more chemistry together. Memphis, these young guys playing together for all those years. Jokic and Murray playing together. And of course, are you still in on the Clippers? It's sort of off topic. Yeah. But. Yeah. Dude, I Loki think the Clippers are going to get Westbrook. The Clippers. But does that change anything? Or yeah, is that not much? It's a good, it's a good addition, but it's not that. It doesn't change that much. I mean, I don't think the Grizzlies are stopping. The thing is, is like, other than Booker and Kevin Durant, this team meshes so well. Aiden now doesn't have to do any scoring. That was his one problem, being passive on the scoring. But he's still a great rebounder and defender. Chris Paul also doesn't have to do any scoring. He's just still a point god at 38. He's like, people criticize him for shooting now because he's been a bit off, but who cares? He doesn't need to shoot. 
he just can find Kevin Durant and Devin Booker open. Can, just can they those two coexist? This team's really good. I don't think the Grizzlies are stopping them. The Clippers can because they have the two-way players that can stop them. And then the Nuggets could stop them because it's just two great offenses. But at the end of the day, I think the Suns win that one. I, and I want to reiterate just what Jacob was talking about in the tip-off. The difference between the three-seeded Kings and the 12-seeded Trailblazers is four and a half games. So it's really anybody's anybody's shot. You assume the Mavericks are going to get better. You assume the Warriors wants to get their pieces back. They're the nine seed right now. The Pelicans. I mean, there's just so many injuries in the West. Pelicans with Zion. Warriors with Cat. Uh, Warriors with Curry. Um, the Suns with Booker. The Clippers. They're always dealing with injuries. It's anybody's game. That's why I think this move, like besides just the obvious that you're getting one of the best scores of all time. It's the only move that could separate one team from the rest because they're all so bunched together. Even the Nuggets, you don't feel like they're runaway dominant team. No, they're, I mean, they're offensively great, but they're, they're flaws like every team. Let's talk <laughs> about the Brooklyn Nets. But after all the dust settles, the Nets have a team. They have a pretty good team. Nets, Let me take us. The Nets have a roster of Spencer Didwitty, McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Nick Claxton, Ben Simmons, Cam Thomas, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, who I now know. They're nine deep. And I didn't even mention Seth Curry and Patty Mills. This is a very deep team. You know what's ironic? Without without a true star, does this team have any hopes of getting past the second round? No, no, it's really ironic for this team. They could use a player like Kevin Durant. They really could. They could really use a player like Kevin Durant. This team is defensively great. They've got a second piece in. They've got all above average role players, and they've got. I, I think Mikael Bridges could be good enough to be a second star, a second, uh, two way star in the NBA. Yes, Bridges so, is so good. So this team is pretty good. They're just missing that star player that they just traded away. Now, obviously, it's more complicated than that because they got those high role pieces because they traded away their star. But it's just funny because I think this team would be really good if they had KD. This roster is constructed really well. Right now, I think if you're a Nets fan, you can still watch some fun basketball. You still look for the future. It was good trades overall. But yeah, they're not getting out of the second round without a star. They need. They don't have the score right now unless Mikael Bridges is really going to drop 40 a night. Yeah, right now they are the five seed and they would play Cleveland in the first round. And uh, that would be interesting to see who would be favored because the Cavs obviously have more star power. It's interesting because they didn't really sell... Well, their hands were kind of tied because KD, we're not going to get into everything, but he did specifically request the trade for the Suns. And to get Bridges and Johnson uh, and all those picks, I think is good given the circumstances. And, you know, you think they did pretty well with the um, with the Mavs trade, getting Dinwiddie. I mean, they got four starters. They got four starters. That's pretty good. They're not taking And they got all those picks. But a very the sad problem is the problem is they gave away a lot of picks trying to assemble the big three, so they're kind of just reached equilibrium. A, a very sad ending. If I told you when they had James Harden, KD, and Kyrie, the three of them played seventeen games together. Yeah, I mean on paper, this is why basketball is not one on paper; it's one on the basketball court because those guys were never going to fit. It was never going to work together. Pull up injuries, yeah, but they played really well together when they played. But. Yeah, they pay- played well in the 17 regular season games they played. Yeah, they're 15-2 and two now. Show me them in the playoffs. Show me them in a seven-game series where defense matters, where sacrificing matters. There's too much ego, too much personality, I think, to really – and too little defense to ever 
make it work. All right, enough about the Nets. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, a team that, in my opinion, I think they won the trade deadline because they turned nothing. They really turned nothing into something. They got D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. And on top of getting Rue Hachimura, believe I'm saying that right, and all they did was send out some picks that were, aren't going to amount to much, and Russell Westbrook. The three-team three team trades are always weird because one team I feel like is getting fleeced, and I think that was the Timberwolves, even though they could say they won with Mike Conley, but I don't really feel that. This Lakers team is a lot better on paper, key qualifier on paper, than they were just a couple of days ago, and they haven't really gelled quite yet because LeBron's been hurt. I mean, they but, got that one. They, the one game they played together, they all three of them played great. It was much better than the rest. This, this is the team that if they if they can make it to the plane, which I think they will, no one is going to want to see them. No, they could take down the Grizzlies. They definitely could. They're talented enough. I still yeah, I, mean, I just still think I think they're not talented enough to make the playoffs. Maybe make a surprise or two. But D'Lo fixes a lot of their offensive problems. I think they're going to fit very well. But defensively. I still don't think that – I just don't see them at getting past the second round. All right, but the Lakers – okay, that's the, that's a big that's a big saying for a team that is currently 27-32 and 32 that we're, we're talking about them second round. I don't think the Lakers a week ago we would be even considering probably put their ceiling at play-in game. No, yeah, I'm, I'm saying that their ceiling is second round. I'm not saying they're going to make the second round. I think their ceiling is second round. But D'Lo really changes the way this team plays. Russell Westbrook wasn't a great defender, and he was an inefficient scorer – to say the least about him. D'Lo doesn't need a bunch of touches, but he's, he's an efficient scorer with those touches. He's a distributor. It just changes the offense completely. And you you saw that the one game they played. The offense was rocking. But defensively, they're still, they, they haven't solved all their issues, but Jared Vanderbilt's a plus. So this team got better. And I think that's why the second round is now their new ceiling, which, you know, it, it's something. It's not hell, which they're now. All right. So let's move on to... Another interesting team heading into the trade deadline that didn't end up being that interesting after, and that's the Toronto Raptors, because we thought that maybe Fred Van Fleet, OG Anamobi, even maybe Pascal Siakam, maybe, would be available, but none of those guys went. Instead, they traded one minor deal for Jacopoto, who's a pretty good center. They get him back. He was in the Kawhi deal. What do we make of this? A Toronto Raptors team that... I think we could all agree has no chance of winning the NBA finals because they don't, I mean, Siakam's a borderline star, but they don't have a truly dominant. What? Siakam. I mean, I don't think this team's good. I agree with you, but Siakam's a star. Come on. He's not a superstar though. Not a superstar, no, but to call him a borderline star is crazy. Well, it depends star. how you define he's, star. He's a star, but this, they're under 500 going into the break. They what do you define Jacob? Oh, not Jacob. Dan, what do you define? What do you define? 48% from the field, 34% from three, 25 points a game, eight boards, six assists. That's star levels. No, not, not superstar. Yeah, but you pretty, can't take yeah. Star. I, I think, yeah, I think I discredited him a little bit. Sorry, go on. It's a little off topic. Yeah, as I was saying before, Ellis really interrupted me to explain star stats to Dan. Um, this Raptors team, they're not going anywhere. There's not even a guarantee they'll make the playoffs. They're 28 and 31. They're the ninth season. So they're playing right now. They're not playing like amazing basketball. They're six and four in their last 10, 10, 18 away. So not a good away team. And I, I don't know. I really thought this team could have gotten a lot of picks for, from any team, from a, specifically a team in the West for OG Ananobi. 
the team like the Warriors, I thought were mentioning to that get to get them or the Nuggets, someone to that could guard Durant, not well, but someone who matches up well size wise against Durant. And I feel like it really would have helped a, a lot of teams in the West. And I'm honestly just surprised that the Raptors really didn't sell. Well, one more thing, they also had there there were teams offering picks for Van Fleet too. They could have come away with multiple first round picks from both players. Yeah, and no, I'm you're right. Surprised they didn't take advantage of that because this team's not going anywhere. No, this team is this they barely got better as it is. And it's just it was just weird. I do like Masai Ujiri, but um it was a weird trade down. I want to talk about some of the smaller moves slash trends. First trend, what do you think of all this throwing away second round picks like they're nothing? Just four second round picks, so four weird. second round picks. And also it's weird that they're it's all it's, all it's 20, like, 29 firsts. It's, it's like what you would do in 2K where yes. you add a second round pick to get a little bit of value, and if you add enough. You get like a pretty mid player. It, it's I totally interesting agree. that teams because second round picks, the hit rate on it, even getting a role player, is so small. So, I mean, it's five of them really like is getting so a team's, and you can see how much they're devalued. That teams are going to give it away for like Function. five of them for a mediocre player for you know half a season or whatever for a role player. So I think it just shows how little second round picks are valued. And I think it's more, not that teams wanted to get them, but they wanted to just get something in return and they didn't really value the player they had. I like that take. Um, What do you think of the Pistons getting James Wiseman, signing away Sadiq Bey? Again, this makes no sense for me. I know it's a, like a smaller thing, but they now have four centers on the roster, like traditional centers that can't shoot in the modern NBA. Like, what are you doing? Uh, I don't even know their GM is. But like, I, I, like why... Obviously, Wiseman has a lot of untapped talent, but what is Troy Weaver doing? He has Jalen Duran, James Wiseman, Isaiah Stewart, and Nerlens Noel. Like, come on. It's, it's just weird, I thought. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. And the Knicks, solid trade game, Josh Hart. Like, that's kind of all I wanted to mention. He's uh, oh, been, really, more. He's been really productive so far for the Knicks. I think an underrated pick, and speaking of the Clippers and their title chances, was Bones Highland. Yes, ball handler, great, score, great, great trade move, for the, got for it for the cheap. Clippers, yes, and it's just like another, it's another roster depth for bolster the scoring waves for the Clippers. So one of the best trade deadlines ever. Oh, and Clippers great. also got Mason Plum- Plumley, who's having a good season. So he's having a good season, yeah. So a lot of teams got a little better to make that push. I think it was top five trade deadline of all time. I can't really remember a better one. Yeah, lots of know. lots of stars traded around. So this all happened because so let's let's move on to the next thing. I'll set the scene. It all happened because I was kind of making fun of Darwin Ham, Darwin Ham, uh, the Lakers head coach, and I was saying like, oh, I don't know, I was making fun of him. And, and Fox was like, oh, coaches don't really matter though. And so we started talking about it, and then I took real issue. Like I took, I did take like real issue. Sometimes being Fox debate for fun, you know, like it's just like it's just good jousting. But this I do disagree with him on. Fox said. The difference between, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, the difference between a fifth and the 20th best head coach is negligible, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. But no, I'll give Fox, so I want this to be gentlemanly. So I'll give Fox the first um, go, and I think me and Jacob are on the same side here, so we'll go, af- go after you. Yeah, well, my point was that when you get a player like LeBron, coaching really doesn't make that much of an impact. And I think that's evident by the fact that he's made the finals with about eight different coaches. So, and I think the reason he's losing now is because his roster is bad enough so much because of Ham. And you could argue that, yeah, maybe one of the top coaches could squeeze a little bit more out of the roster. But in the end, like this is a guy, the coach got 
back in Cleveland, coach got fired David Blatt midseason. He still made the finals. You know, didn't really change anything. And they were winning when he got fired. But it did change stuff because they were a better team after David Blatt got fired. I think if you have a – there are really bad co- – like any sport, there are really bad coaches and there are really good coaches. But the majority – like we were talking about the Spurs and the Rockets. If you put Greg Popovich on the Rockets for Steven Silas, who Ellis says is the worst coach in the NBA, how many more wins does that team get? I would say – but I I don't see how you could say that because, one, their roster sucks, and two, Popovich is coaching a Spurs team that isn't very good right now. Yes, but – That is the same exact record. Yes, but there's a that's but that's my point actually because if you look at the Spurs roster, I'm pulling that up right now just so I have it because I don't even know it. But um, compared to the Rockets depth chart, the Rockets have way more talent on their roster, and yet they're the same exact record. I agree with you in the extremes. I say I say they have pretty pretty similar. They have pretty similar talent levels. No, they they don't. One Rockets are putting out a starting five with Sangoon, who's one of the most underrated players in the NBA, Kevin Porter Jr., who's a bucket. Jabari Smith, who's really struggled because, as Coach Silas Silas admitted, he does not run plays for Jabari Smith. Like, that was something he admitted. And Jalen Green, who's obviously a a heat wave at scoring. Meanwhile, the Spurs, they really only have one player with talent on that team. Jeremy Sochan. Zach Collins has been a backup center his entire Have you heard of of Kelvin Johnson? He's averaging like 24 points. Kelvin Johnson is good. But he's an but, average, but, he's a role player on any other team. This really isn't the point. My point was the difference between the fifth or so best coach, so a good coach, and a slightly below average coach really doesn't make that much of a difference on a team. Now, let me say this. I'm looking at a ranking right now. Obviously, this is subjective. But this ranking has Michael Malone, the coach of the Nuggets, sixth, who has won nothing. Nate McMillan, who has won absolutely nothing. Seven. The Hawks? Nate yeah. yeah. Nate McMillan's a horrible coach. So that's Mike Budenhoser, eighth, who hasn't won anything in the playoffs. And then if you go down to 20, I'm going to go a little farther than 20, actually. You get – well, I'm actually going to go to Dwayne Casey at 19, who won Coach of the Year. Mike Budenhoser has a title, by the way. And a championship. Yeah. Who, when is Mike Budenhoser – oh, with the Bucks. Excuse me. Yeah. All right. I think about him with the Hawks. Uh, Mike Brown, who made the finals with the Cavs, and Ty Lue, who won the finals with the Cavs. But that's just a dumb. That's just a dumb take. A list. But is it though, right now? or is it because? Yeah, because so why? Let's are... focus on Mike Brown. Let's focus on Mike Brown because look at the king. If you want to take example of coaching matters, now I agree with you. In the extremes, when you have three superstars like the Cavs did with LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, it definitely takes a backseat coaching. Other than obviously making sure that everyone's happy, but. The Kings roster last year after the trade deadline was very similar, is pretty much the same as this year's roster. And yet they are incredibly good this year because of Mike Brown solely, because of the offensive sets he has put. He's changed the way they play offense, and they are now a top five offensive team in the league. That That's, that's not because of any player. The players didn't change. That is because of Mike Brown playing to the strengths of his offense, instituting a pick-and-roll type offense. And that's the thing. I think coaching in the NBA gets, I think this is a large issue. Coaching in the NBA gets discredited because people don't understand plays in the NBA. It's easy in the NFL to say, oh, you're running a crossing route. You're running a post. You're running all the different nickel, you know? But in the NBA, if you ask the average fan what a pin down screen is, 
you most fans wouldn't tell you. you they wouldn't tell you that Tom Thibodeau runs an offense full of pin down screens. But that that that's a Tom Thibodeau led offense, you know, and that happens all of the NBA. The, the decision to blitz or not on pick and roll, like these are things that are institutions that most people like. I'm not saying it's just you, Dan, but a lot of people though they don't like they don't know what it is, so they don't see it happening. But I think I think Mike Brown's a great example because he's not the 23rd best coach because he took a team that had a bottom 10 offense with the same roster and now they're a top five offense. What the only but change it, has it, been Mike Brown? They also now have Demonte Sabonis for a full season. De'Aaron Fox taking step forwards that I think plays more impact. But why has De'Aaron Fox taken a step forward? Because he's maturing and getting older, just no. like any good young player does. No, because some of it Mike, might be because of Mike Brown. But no, a lot of it's Mike Brown. Mike Brown, De'Aaron Fox. What's the two things De'Aaron Fox is good at? Transition and pick and roll. So it's crazy that the Kings were not playing. Um, pick and roll, a lot of pick and roll last year. Now he brings in Sabonis. Now that's fair. Sabonis has more games. So he did play 30 games with the Kings last year or close to that. But but Mike Brown has instituted a pick and roll at offense. And and therefore De'Aaron Fox is thriving because he's high pick and roll. De'Aaron Fox has the speed to beat anyone. So that that's why De'Aaron Fox has got better. That's why the Kings have gotten better. Because before, before with, um who's their head coach? Um Alvin Gentry, it was their head coach. They, they were just running. They were just running like low key ISO wings offense. Like I don't. I don't know what. I don't really know what offense he was instituting. Offense he instituted in the Pelicans. I assume it was the same. But that's the difference. He he's accessed De'Aaron Fox's skill level through his coaching. On top of that, I want to mention another fact. Why are the Warriors so good? Because they had a mid coach out saying Mark Jackson. He had some good plays, but Steve Kerr came in. The same roster except for Harrison Barnes. Harrison because Barnes. Steph Curry decided to finally stay healthy. No, that's well one two, but Steph Curry was healthy the season before, and they weren't that good because the offensive system that Steve Kerr placed, the passing move, the passing move, the off-ball screens on the wings and the corners, all made perfectly for Steph and Clay to access their true potential. That's why coaching matters. Yes, at the end of the day, Ty Lue's a mid-coach that was carried by LeBron James. Kyrie Irving and um and um uh, Kevin Love. If you have super talent, yes, coaching doesn't matter that much as in NFL, but it still matters so so. It still still matters a lot. Evidence by the Warriors, evidence by the Kings, evidence by all these teams. Like Nate McMillan is just not getting the most out of his team because he's running stupid offensive sets. Let me ask you this: Is there any coach who would not have the Bucks as title contenders? Is there any coach that could have replaced? Uh, Ime Udoka and not have the Celtics where they are now. But I think it's unfair to bring up those. But that's my, that's what my whole point was. When you have star talent, the coach really doesn't matter that much. When you have all these rosters. When you have the most star talent. It's probably the same in the MLB. It might actually, no, I think NBA coaches actually matter more than MLB. I think also, obviously to a lesser extent, but the same as the NFL. You don't need like Jonathan Gannon. I don't think he's the best defensive coordinator. But the Eagles' D-line defense was so stacked that it was able to cover up some of his flaws. But obviously, that's exaggerating in the NBA. But you're mentioning the Bucs, the Celtics. Yeah, and that's, coaching doesn't necessarily matter because those are the top four teams in the league. But that doesn't mean the difference between the fifth coach and the 20, 20th coach is not negligible. I, I'm i kind of in the middle. I mean, obviously, at, at some point, coaching, it, it, it does matter. But when you like when you have such star players... It doesn't matter as much, but it still matters for sure. But like, I don't have an opinion that it doesn't really matter or it really matters. But don't you think that's in every sport? 
maybe less so in the NFL, but pretty much every other sport. That I think, that- I think, I think so much of the NBA. I don't really, I really don't know which side I stand for, but so much of the NBA is like the players doing what they want to do. That I think you're just wrong there. I, I legitimately think you're wrong. I'd also teams- rather, I'd also rather have a team with a great coach. Like for the Knicks, I think this team would be a lot better if Tom Thibodeau wasn't the coach. I agree, but I, I don't think, like the offense he runs. I think seven out of every ten offensive possessions is a is a set is a variable play, a variable of a set play in the NBA. Yeah, but what and, what what matters way more about the plays is the players executing those plays. But that's every sport. I, I, you're, we're we're comparing. Like that's every sport. You know. Also, I think MLB managers. I think why they are their value comes. I one of my takes is that like in game managing for MLB managers really doesn't matter like at all like at all it's nobody runs the bases nobody hits and runs anymore nobody what matters more is you're at, together every day for 180 games it's about having the feel of the players having the feel of the locker room resting guys at the right time you know like that matters more and I think that's the same with the NBA culture you know well that matters that obviously matters, too but that my matters point is like more than sets because sets. I mean, a lot of the times it just comes down to who, like, who hits but their can you, Like, uh, again, can you, Jacob, and this is for you too, can you guys identify sets? Like, it's hard to, like, even, like, no, I, I and I'm not, I know, and I'm I not saying, I can't identify every single set. I'm not some NBA connoisseur. But my point, like, I'm not trying to, like, say, oh, I have more knowledge than you. My only point is, is, like, I think you guys are underestimating how much, not necessarily a specific set, but a variable of a set. Like, the Kings run very, very, the Kings run a lot of plays outside of the high pick and roll where the players can choose what to what to play, See, right? Back, back, back to the Kings thing. Like, yes, Fox has progressed so much, but the coaching was a huge part of that, I think. Huge. Because, a huge because part. Fox's 100%. progression isn't due to, I mean, obviously some maturity, but it's because what Fox is good at, the coach is instituting. The coach built a team around Fox and Sabonis. Yes, That's he's, what good, a good, coach he's does. good at getting but inside and attacking the rim. Like, is he so much better, like, this year? Or is that just natural progression? Because he's only averaging one more point than he did last year, a little bit better shooting percentage, a little bit better three-point percentage, but he's pretty much putting up the same numbers that he did. But just look at the team as a whole. But look at the team as a whole. He's putting up he's putting up less points, less assists, same rebounds pretty much. But okay, just get off Fox for a second though. Just look at the team as a whole though. Look how much better they're doing. Because they got the bonus. But they had to bonus last year for thirty games. Well, what was their record good the last enough? thirty games? Either way, like do do not do not recognize the difference between the Kings this year and last year. Like they look vastly different on offense. And even if again, I'm not. I never said coaching doesn't matter. I said in certain situations it doesn't matter. And the difference between a mediocre coach, like a the middle of the pack coaches, really don't make an impact. I agree with your take that when stars overrun good coaching, like a, a conglomerate of stars, but that's almost every sport other than the NFL. And it's in the NFL too, you know? So I don't think you can say that's an NBA thing. I think you can say that's a sports thing. Obviously the stars matter more than the coaching in every sport. And you can debate it in the NFL as well, but obviously that's true. You know, we don't say that coaching doesn't matter for NFL. And like that, that's, that's what I'm saying. But coaching, like it really does if you don't have a top four team in the league, right, it really does matter. And you could say, who cares? But that, I mean, it really does matter. And the difference between a fifth, which is what I took offense with originally, and the 20th coach, if you don't have, again, a top four team in the league, is the difference between the Kings and the Hawks. It's the difference between the Kings and the Hawks. 
because the Hawks right now, let me find out their exact schedule, are running Trey Young iso ball with some passes out to DeJounte Murray, and they now sit at 29 and 30. And the Kings sit at 32 and 25. And that is the difference between good coaching and bad coaching. Now, you can make the case that none of them are going to win the title. You're right. They're not, neither are going to win the title. You are probably right. But, but in the end of the day, in the NBA, you know, MLB 2, there's only so many teams that can win a title as well. It's just the top talented teams. But if you don't have the top, and, and, and even I'm still, agreeing with Doc you about Rivers, the MLB. I'm agreeing with you about no, the MLB. No, I know, but I think in the NFL 2, there's some of that as well. And then Doc, look at Doc Rivers, one of the most worst in game management coaches. And the Sixers have been held back by him. They 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 really could have won a title if they weren't. If they weren't, if they, they should be in the Knicks that game that five days like a week ago when they played. And I mean, I I I agree with your point about the stars. I don't think it necessarily makes the NBA unique. The fifth best coach and the twentieth best coach still matter. It's it still matters. Maybe not for title, but for how team how good your team plays. End of the day, in the NBA and the NFL. And the um, I mean, they do this every single time, but all sports do this, where they're like, "Oh, here are the eight teams that can win the title," and nine times out of ten, title winners are from those eight teams. It, that's just how sports work. I mean, it's also like evident that no team has won an NBA championship without a collect without at least one superstar. For sure, for sure, down to the stars, but not the but, but how many NFL teams have won without a, an amazing quarterback? Nick Foles. I mean, a, a, quite a few, honestly. Not a Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Nick Foles. Who else? Honestly, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Who's the and if you 2000s? Throw teams, if you throw in teams that have made it to the Super Bowl, it becomes, you know. Yeah, but you can't say made it because there's a lot of teams that make it, you know. No, just Joe Flacco, who's 2000 quarterback for the Ravens on that all time. They had all time defense. The, the top five defense of all time. Who well, I forget his name now. Just me. Um, 2000 Ravens QB. One one and Nick Foles. I really can't think of any others. That's three in the last twenty three years. All right, I think that's more than enough of this conversation. Let's head over to predictions. It's the last week, and let's update you with the standings. Oh, Alice and Jacob are revealing their stuff. All right, before that, Alice has a very comfortable three point lead. 35 to 55, 64% over me, 32 to 55. Jacob has 31 out of 55. And Jeremy had a good week last week, 30 out of 55. Technically still anybody's game, but you got to be feeling good if you're Ellis. All right. I'm also on on pace to break the record, my own record that I set. Nice. All right. Let's start things off with the Celtics and the 76ers. I'm going to take this one. The Celtics are rolling again. I believe they won five out of six heading in the break. The only one they lost. Was to the Bucks in overtime, where literally four other every starter was out. Jalen Brown should be back for this game. They'll be at full strength, and they just they just have the Sixers number. They know how to beat them. They know how to neutralize Embiid. So, Jacob, actually, I'm curious why you think the Sixers are going to win. They're healthy. They're fully healthy. They don't have any injuries right now, uh, other than Forkman Corkmaz is on like some paternal or personal reason for leave. But uh... say that name again, Forkman Turkman. Kirkman Korkmaz. You probably don't know who he is because you're not a real basketball fan. But uh, then again, I don't know if Ellis knows who he is either. Yes, I know no. who he is, you clown. Okay. He's a European um, guard for the Sixers. I, yes, I just think I just think the Celtics team coming out in in Philly, I just think it's going to be electric in uh, in Philly. And Embiid's him and just having an unreal year. I know I know the Celtics are insane, but there's no guarantee Jalen Brown's going to be back, right? I think he's still out. 
I think he'll be back. He could be. You don't know. But he's playing with a facial fracture. You know, maybe he'll have an insane facial fracture mask game. But uh, I've got the Sixers in this one. Just barely etching out a win. All right. Let's move on to Nuggets and Grizzlies. We're all picking the Nuggets. Ellis, tell us why. I'm not, I'm not sold on this Grizzlies team, to be straight up with you. Like, I'm not sold on them. I think they're a good team, but the Nuggets are clearly the best team in the NBA, um, best offensive team in the NBA. Michael Porter Jr. is the funniest player in the NBA. Off topic. Listen, I know it's, Grizz, it's Grizzlies at home, right? Yeah, it's Grizzlies at yeah, home. It makes yeah. me a little nervous, but I just think this Nuggets team are just a better team than the Grizzlies on offense and on defense. They're pretty similar. I guess the Grizzlies are a little better, but regardless, the Nuggets are just a better team. With the MVP again, Jokic probably. All right, let's move over to Pelicans at Knicks. Some good games this week. Uh, Jacob, you could tell us why we're all picking the Knicks. Because the Knicks have two All-Stars that are playing very good basketball right now. And, and Zion's still hurt for the Pelicans, even though McCollum has been playing amazing. And so has NBI's been pretty decent. But uh, it's in the Garden, the, the best arena in the NBA. And uh, the Knicks, they're just seeking revenge on everyone who just doubted them this year. They're playing good basketball. Won three straight going into the break. And uh, this Knicks roster, they finally look like they're, they're they're gelling well together. And Josh Hart has been a fantastic trade deadline acquisition for them. All right, let's move on to Suns at Bucks. They filed rematch from a couple years ago. I'm We're all picking the Bucks. I'll explain why. I think we all think that the Suns – well, first off, you don't even know who's going to be playing because they've had some injuries. And Durant's most likely not going to be back. Yeah, and even if he is – you don't know how the fit's going to be. They're on the road against the Bucks team that's playing really well right now. One twelve. They're, they've won 12 in a row. Yeah, they're at home, so that's where we're all picking the Bucks. All right, Lakers, Mavericks, Ellis. You're the only one picking the Lakers. Why? Yeah, I think I like Kelly Jordan offense the one time I played them. Hopefully LeBron plays this game. And the Mavericks, they're struggling a little bit. Uh, issues with Luka and Kyrie, when to shoot it, when to not. This is to be expected. Eventually, they'll figure it out. But... It is. I, I hate picking away NBA teams, but I think the Lakers have better mojo going into this game right now. I think they gel better at the current moment, and they play better defense. So I got Lakers. All right, finally, Iowa State, Kansas State, ba- college basketball. Whoopee. Ellis, tell us why we're all picking Kansas State. They're the only one who probably knows what's going on. Two teams in the bottom four were projected preseason bottom four. Now they're both top four in the best division in college basketball this year, the Big 12. I, this is really a toss-up. Both teams play really well. Um, I've been playing really well, but I just chose home team for Kansas State. Um, they've had one of the best home court advantages in the Big Ten, in the Big Twelve, excuse me. And you know, when when teams are so close, especially in college basketball, pick the home team. So yeah, so Kansas State, I'm picking the home team. All right, with that, I think that is all. Let's wrap it up. Next week, we're gonna have some more NBA. This time, we'll actually do the good, the bad, and the MVP. I know I have been promising that. As always, if you want to start a podcast, go do that on Buzzsprout today. Get your thoughts out to the world because you're smart. Have confidence. You deserve it. Buzzsprout's an easy-to-use platform. To do that, gets you on all the major directories. As I said, easy to use. We love it. You can use the free plan or paid plan. I believe you get a discount with the paid plan. So uh, Amazon gift card with the paid plan, rather. So yeah, and just you go to our bio, go to our description, click the link, and start your own podcast today. Follow our podcast at Who's on Top. It's WHO apostrophe S. Space O-N, Space T-O-P on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or all the major directories. Follow, as I said earlier. Subscribe, sometimes we place to subscribe, sometimes it's follow, whatever. Like the episodes. Leave a five-star review and rating. You know it's going to be five stars because we're great. Turn on notifications. We're mostly post on weekends, but you never know. 
we're, we're college students, so we're known to be a bit lazy. So, again, turn notifications and follow the podcast. And who's on top? It's WHO, Poshfiesk, Space O, and Space TOP. Social medias, we're on Twitter and Instagram. What.podcast, capital W, the rest lowercase, O-T, that P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Twitter, that's the best place to look at our standings game. We have a lot of fun over there. You always know when we're recording, we post fun pictures. Highlights the episode, go over there. Again, as I said, standings, polls. You know the history of our standing game. We break it all down there in depth. And you always know when the new podcast is out there. And the link to our podcast is in our bio. Instagram, same thing. Link to our podcast is in our bio. Instagram is the best place to be interactive. Polls there too. Questions. Also, Hall of Fame, Hall of Shame. I did forget the Super Bowl question. I'm sorry. I dropped the ball on that one. My deepest apologies. But yeah, Hall of Fame, Hall of Shame. Photoshops. Your favorite analyst's head on your favorite player's Highlights of the episode, and yeah, I think that's, yeah, and you always know when the new episode's out. So again, that's Instagram, Twitter, Watt.Podcast, that's capital W, rest lowercase, O-T dot P-O-D-C-A-S-T. With that, have a good week, stay safe, stay healthy, hope you enjoy the podcast, and goodbye.